Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional f- film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, Everyone'sACriticPodcast.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle is CriticsPod. You can listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. Subscribe to the show, rate and view the show. If you leave us an Apple Podcast five-star review, we'll read it on the air. And Sean has some 4K Blu-rays that the distributors has given us uh, that you will get if you give us a five-star review. Uh, What else? Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to support the podcast. Get yourself a credit on the show and... Get some bonus episodes that are not heard on the regular feed. Sometimes we do release them to both, but for the most part, we don't. So there's a lot of good stuff out there if you're into our shows. Uh, so please become a Patreon subscriber. Our T Public link is at IHateCritics.net. There's a T Public link at the top there in the right hand corner, or go to T Public and search Critics Pod. And if you're in the Quad City area and you're looking at the Goodwills, there may be some I Hate Critics or Everyone Critic <laughs> podcast merch. Why didn't we get this before? Yeah, just buy it. Free advertising. Free. Too public expensive. <laughs> I remember when Josh was on, he was pissed and I'm like, dude, it's our, it's our merch. <laughs> Don't get mad at him for the shipping costs. Uh, but yeah, if you are uh, 2XL and you're just shop around the the Goodwills, you might find a Batman versus Jesus shirt or a Willem Dafoe's huge penis shirt or the Cameron Diaz shoulder shirt. All of them will be at one of the Goodwills in the Quad Cities. I don't know which one yet. All right, let's jump into the news you have for this week, Sean. Yeah, there's some uh, I don't because I know you've been busy. You may not have heard of some of this. So obviously you probably did hear that Olivia Newton-John passed away today, yes. uh, 73 years old, uh, quite, quite young, quite sad. Uh, not much of a movie star. She was in Xanadu, though, and Xanadu is a iconic bad movie uh it's still she was also in greece obviously and right. i but I, honestly i'll never think of anything but xanadu <laughs> when i think of her not to be mean i just love xanadu for all the wrong reasons uh but no wonderful singer though and and uh certainly uh the video for physical is is one that transformed a lot of young men's lives uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit younger. <laughs> I mean, I'm aware of the video, but I didn't. Yeah, I don't. Didn't get to grow up with it, if you will. <laughs> no, I was a little. I was a little young for it myself, but yeah. uh, I certainly. I, I remember feeling funny seeing it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, she she was she's awesome as a singer though, and really just iconic as a singer. And that just happened today, so that's why I mention it. Um, Let's see. Oh, the other thing. Uh, did you hear about Batgirl? Yes, I did, because I'm an accountant, and it happened for accounting reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, 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 Bob. Didn't you hear from the uh, CEO of Discovery? Uh, they, they don't release movies that they don't believe in. <laughs> mm. Or they don't release movies that they need to spend $30 million to fix, but they get a $20 million tax credit if they don't spend the $30 million, so they just take the tax credit. <laughs> That's really what happened. <laughs> but tomato, tomato. It's it, that one and Scoob. And this is like a whole new world now. Like This is like, because I'm a big fan of lost media. Like I love lost media stories uh, on YouTube. Uh, there's so many like I, awesome things that are just like still hiding in warehouses that people are still looking and might find someday that and put on the internet. And I'm wondering now what happens like this just goes into a vault and just sits there forever. Like, will we ever see any pieces of this? Will somebody try and steal it and sneak it out into the public somehow? Like, I don't know. I, I, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this I'm, and it's awful. I hate it. I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand it because again, that bullshit idea that we don't release movies. We don't believe in that's such a well, load of that's crap. A cop out, that's not it's true. a total load of crap. <laughs> Like there's all kinds of movies that are on that are on HBO Discovery right now that I'm that probably that, that I would imagine don't meet the belief system of anybody at Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, they, they've released a ton of bad movies. It's like you know, 
You've got a lot of Vin Diesel movies in that category, like right. <laughs> the catalog. Like, come on, don't tell, don't, don't blow smoke up my ass. This isn't about whether or not this was a good movie or not. Nobody knows if this was a good movie or not. They're they're making a decision based on the money spent, not about the whether or not the movie is any well, good. Well, and the money they got to spend to finish yeah. it, mm-hmm. and and with the tax write off, it's simply a financial decision, and that's it. And because of that, they can't make a penny off of this. So. In order for us to see it, it's going to have to be leaked somehow. Uh, uh, I don't know if you saw Kevin Smith's comments on it. He says it's a horrible. I mean, it's a bad look. You know, you got mm-hmm. a Latina Batgirl, and you're just you're not releasing it. It may be a piece of crap. I really don't know. Uh, but meanwhile, it, the meanwhile the Flash got arrested again today. By the way. <laughs> he's been arrested multiple times. He's being sought by authorities in other countries. His movie's still coming out, but uh, yeah. yeah. You don't have a guy to promote it. I mean, you got Michael Keaton in both of them. If nothing else, people will go to the theater to see that. Uh, I can't, or that's what HBO Max or something. That's what boggles my mind. Like, people were going to go see this. Like, you regard, it, it could have, I mean, people went to see Catwoman for fuck's sake. You know, people, it may have been a disaster, but people went to see it. They wanted to see the disaster. I mean, you create, they've now, by doing this, they actually created a market. <laughs> Like you've now created the the demand for this, and and now you can't now you can't put it out. Like it's it's a baffling decision to me, uh, based off of a ten million dollar you know accounting situation. Like come on, you're going to be saving ten million dollars. You don't know now that you've created this demand, you could turn this into a three hundred million dollar blockbuster with a you know one hundred and fifty million dollar opening weekend just because of the curiosity you created about it. Well, one of the things that. I heard too was the president was like we're going to kind of follow the Marvel lead and avoid TV, which is <laughs> like what? Which is weird because <laughs> Marvel's, Marvel's all over. They're all over Marvel's, TV right now. Yeah, they've got very successful television shows. <laughs> yeah. I, what it makes me wonder is if they're going to go back on HBO Max. Uh, I think HBO Max is actually really really good. Right now, mm-hmm. it started off kind of shaky, but it, it's one of the most reliable stations. I know a lot of it's HBO shows, but I really like that streaming service. Mm-hmm. And if they're losing uh, belief in HBO Max, that could be really bad. Uh, well, it's certainly they're they're losing losing uh, in, they're losing interest in their in their product that they create that they're responsible for. Did you see this? That uh, remember that uh, Seth Rogen pickle movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gone now. <laughs> they pulled that. They pulled that and eight other titles off of HBO Max uh, just the other day. Not that didn't give any reason for it. They just did it. And who knows? Are those now considered lost media? Are those going to be gone forever? Are those have those ever been available on DVD? I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like this guy's got a weird. Because this, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the same guy that shut down the CNN Plus thing. Uh. I mean, not, and that was a disaster. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but they put all this money in, it and he just instantly, you know, didn't try to fix it, just shut it down. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what tax, what the tax stockholders think of this. What are they going to tell stockholders? Like, hey, we you spent a hundred million dollars to re- to make a movie you're not going to release now. <laughs> well, the way stockholders look at things, though, is again they weren't done spending money on it. Because uh-huh. COVID kind of fucked the movie a little bit, so yeah. there was that. Then you got to market it, so that's another twenty million if you're going to market it. So uh-huh. now you're up to like forty, fifty million dollars, or you can write it off and get a twenty twenty million dollar tax write off. That's uh-huh. essentially a seventy million dollar swing. So that's probably yeah. what they're looking at. Again, you're still losing twenty million dollars because uh, you've already spent ninety, <laughs> but uh, it's. I don't know. It's simply financial, and it's obviously you need those guys to do things right for companies. But I'm part of me is wondering too if this is let's let's see how this goes, and if this doesn't go well, we'll can the flash as well. But uh-huh. to me, I would have done it backwards. I don't know, unless they really think. I mean, you don't have a guy to go market the flash, so you already uh-huh. have that going against right. you. <laughs> uh, maybe it's really good but I don't want to like it I mean 
there's movies I've loved that as I start to hate the actors, it's made me feel bad about, you know, watching. I I know that experience. I was just editing a review of the movie Edge of Darkness with Mel Gibson the other day because I put that up on the blog. And that's a really good movie. But every time I look at it, you know, that's fucking Mel Gibson. <sighs> right. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard that way. I, I don't know. It's got to be chilling for for creators to think that, you know, hey, we can dedicate all this time and effort and money to making a movie and they could just say, well, I know you've made this movie, but we're not going to release it. <laughs> like like Scoob, I think, was done. Basically, the Scoob sequel was basically done. And they said, nah. <laughs> and I don't know. They're able to hide behind COVID. They're able to hide behind, you know, the, what you just said. We don't we don't release movies we don't believe in mm-hmm. i don't know it's so weird like that's they, that's such a they had a cool tv series idea it sounds like because they actually hired kevin smith to write one of the shows yeah and he was going to do a just an episode about bizarro superman or whatever and it was in a world where superman didn't exist and it sounded amazing the way he to describe the show but they just cut it like didn't so maybe he'll release it as a comic book someday. But, and it would have mm-hmm. been several different directors doing just random, unknown mm-hmm. DC characters on this television show. But I don't know. It is what it is. And, you know, I'm a big believer in accounting. <laughs> but at the same time, some of them drive me nuts. <laughs> Any other- I don't, if, you, if, if you're a creator, do you want to go to Warner Brothers now? Do you want to try and make a movie under their banner now? Or do you go, well... They they may finance my movie, but they may also just take it and stuff it on a shelf somewhere if they if they feel like it. Like I wouldn't want to work for them again. Depends on who I am. You yeah, know? I mean, if I'm Brett Ratner, I'll do whatever. <laughs> if anybody will hire me, I'll, I'll go there. <laughs> but that's not a very fair. <laughs> He's not making movies for other reasons. Uh, I yeah I. You know, there's the guys that are paycheck people. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin Smith got paid very well to write that script. And so, I'm sure people, there'll be writers that do stuff. But, mm-hmm. I right, talk about lost media. How about anything that Kevin Smith has just written and given to people like here? And they go, nah, it's all right. <laughs> like, that's a, that's a whole other thing right there. Well, and guess who he was going to cast as Bizarro? Huh? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> and like I don't even give a shit about comic books anymore, but Man. I would I was excited about that one. <laughs> and I knew it would, before he told the story, I knew it wasn't happening, and he got me excited, <laughs> and then it broke my heart all over again. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, yeah. That, the last the last piece of news is that uh, Anne Heche, the actress, is hanging on by a thread. She is still alive, but. Uh, doesn't look good. They say she's in extremely critical condition. You haven't heard. She drove her car. She got very, very drunk, apparently, allegedly, and drove her car through a house. The house caught on fire. She caught on fire. There's an incredibly haunting video uh, taken from a helicopter that shows her being wheeled out on an ambulance. It almost looks like she's in a body bag, but it's uh, just wrapped up because she's severely burned. And then suddenly, right before they put her in the in the ambulance, she just sits up, her arms flailing everywhere, and it is just you. You just uh, it, it's chilling, uh, but it's it's incredibly sad. Uh, thankfully, she didn't kill anybody. Yeah. Um, that woman did lose her entire home, which is awful. And uh, but I, I would it's sad. It's just all around sad. She's had a uh, a lot of troubles, and uh, as oftentimes she's been a very good actress, and oftentimes she's been kind of off the rails it's just uh, unfortunate to see it go the way it has and man what a weird story what a weird weird story so she took a turn for the worse i know last time i looked she was in stable condition but that oh never mind i just pulled up a new site and uh living newton john's dead popped up and i thought it was Anne hage for a second uh, no no i saw it uh, just saw it on twitter just a few minutes ago she's an ex She's in. Uh, she's gone back to critical condition now. Uh, that's awful. I mean, yeah, it just it sucks all around. It sucks for the people that are victims of what she did, but yeah, you still don't want to. 
I don't know. You, that's just. I I saw the video. You're right. It's incredibly chilling. All right, let's start off with Vengeance. Vengeance, uh, written, directed, and starring B.J. Novak as this sort of uh, empty guy who just kind of moves from one empty relationship to the next. But uh, you know, he's fine doing that. He likes just kind of floating around, being single, having sex with anybody who wants. That's cool. Uh, then his life kind of gets turned upside down with one of the when one of the women he was hooking up with ends up dead somewhere in Texas. Uh, he gets a call from Boyd Holbrook, who plays the young woman's brother. He's under the impression that uh, BJ Novak and his sister were very, very, very close, like uh, really boyfriend girlfriend stuff. So he insists that BJ Novak go down to Texas and be there for the funeral and be there with the family. And in the process of that, he discovers that, hey, this could be a pretty good podcast story, like my own serial that could really make me a big star. Uh, and he covers a lot of very colorful characters. The family is very colorful. And then there's a character played by Ashton Kutcher, who is a music producer who produced the music of this uh, girl that he was hooking up with, uh, the sister of Boyd Holbrook. And he's this, and the guy, he gives Ashton Kutcher these three incredible monologues that Kutcher absolutely fucking nails. He's amazing in this movie. He is so great. Uh, and Boyd Holbrook is great. Issa Rae is great. And I, this movie is terrific. This is a movie that is both very funny, but also it, it catches you off guard, especially a very strong ending that kind of really knocks you a, knocks you for a loop. Uh, BJ Novak's put together something pretty incredible here that is kind of, it's incredibly modern. It's incredibly thoughtful. It's very funny, but it's also got a, a really strong dramatic edge when it wants to. Uh, really complicated and just a terrific movie overall. That's awesome. I know a couple of weeks ago, last time I recorded, you kind of just casually mentioned as we were signing off that Vengeance is very good. <laughs> I wanted to go see it. Uh, but I only had time for one movie, and I had to actually I had to line up right to what the show times, and this didn't have as flexible showtime schedule as the other one I ended up seeing. But well, I like everybody in it for different reasons, uh, and it just sounds really cool. B.J. Novak's always kind of been an interesting guy. He clearly is a great writer. I mean, a lot of the Office stuff was all him. Uh-huh. Uh this just it looks fun i i'm looking forward to seeing it probably on netflix or hbo max or something later on uh but i can't wait to check it out highly recommend this is a terrific terrific movie that's awesome a24's marcel the shell with shoes on Yes, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On is the adorable story of uh, Jenny Slate as the voice of Marcel the Shell, who uh, lives in this house that's uh, an Airbnb now. Uh, he had lived there with his entire Shell family, but now it's just him and his uh, grandmother, played by the voice of uh, Isabella Rossellini. Uh, together, they just kind of get by and in the, in the side on the side of the of life where you'd never see him. Um, and over the course of the story, we're going to find out how his where where the rest of his family went and how that happened and how he survives. And uh, all this takes place. And then we find all this out because uh, a, a uh, documentary filmmaker played by Dean Fleischer Camp, who also uh, co-wrote and co-directed the movie, uh, moves into this Airbnb and discovers Marcel and finds out that Marcel can talk and decides to put him on YouTube and create a show and then a documentary. And then it kind of blows up from there. Uh, it, you seem like at times, like you're going to get into a movie where it's going to be too cute. Like the movie is going to be too cute, but it starts off that way, but it gets like Marcel gets a little salty here and there and it's kind of adorable. It's kind of like when you see a six year old get genuinely upset, <laughs> you know, it really takes, they really take a stand on something that they believe in and it's adorable <laughs> in that way. <laughs> They're going to have to take the L because they're six, but still. <laughs> <laughs> still adorable that they st took a stand. Uh, he gets a little salty here and there. And Isabella Rossellini, that adds this level of incredible dignity with her voice. She's just unbelievable. 
is completely awesome in this movie. Uh, but yeah, Jenny Slate and, and Dean Fleischer camp have written something here that is just, it's warm. It's inviting. It's sweet. It's very funny. It's very thoughtful. Uh, and, and of course, incredibly innovative the way that they did all this stuff to incorporate uh, Marcel and his grandmother. It's very DIY. And at the same time, it's also very like, very innovative. Like you kind of wonder all the time, how are they doing this? And that's pretty great. Uh, even though it looks incredibly like it may have cost 10 bucks to make, uh, which is just, it's just a testament to how ingenious uh, this movie is. I loved this. I think this is a fantastic, uh, classically on brand for an A24 kind of movie. Uh, just, just phenomenal. Everybody should go see this. Oh yeah. When you were trying to describe it, I mean, it just sounds very A24. Uh, the trailer, I I loved watching it. I was a little worried that the trailer was the movie, but then when I read your review and you kind of like mentioning the saltiness of Marcel, uh, it just it makes me want to see it more because it, it you know it sounds like more than just the trailer. It just it's a twenty four number one. Jenny Slate has been pretty good with a lot of the independent stuff she's been doing over the last five or six years, maybe even longer than that. Uh-huh. And this just looks fantastic. I did not see it on our release schedule in the local theaters, so that's the one I looked it, for first. Yeah, it it popped up out of nowhere. It seemed seemingly, and the release has kind of been—I don't want to say they botched the release or anything like that—but certainly a lot of people were like, "Wait, where? What movie?" Like it was getting big for a week, and then it didn't come to our area. And then when it was not bigger, it was not big anymore. It wasn't our. It was a very unusual release. Uh, Did it come to our area? Strategy. Oh yeah, that's that's where I went to our oh. theater to well, see it. Yeah, I didn't say a showtime the day I went to the movies. That sucks because I would have. <laughs> I mean, again, I only had the certain time open. But yeah, uh, I I'm looking forward to seeing this one as soon as I get a chance. Though uh, this is definitely for the really the A24 fans that are going to go out of their way to find it on wherever they can to see it. But it looks really cute, really cool, and fun. Yeah, innovative in terms of how it's made and just adorable overall. <laughs> it's fantastic. I did go see Bullet Train, though. Bullet Train stars Matt, uh, stars Brad Pitt as uh, uh, the well, guy who's a former, I guess, hired killer who's now just kind of a snatch-and-grab guy. He's assigned a, uh, an opportunity to get on this bullet train in Japan and recover a suitcase that uh, he doesn't know what's in it. He's just supposed to get the get the case and get off. And the, mo- the rest of the movie is about inventing ways to keep him on the train. And the movie just keeps coming up with one invention after the next, after the next. And they're all just fucking fantastic. This movie is so much fun. It's so uh, violent and gory and brutal and strange and but the key, the key to the whole thing is Brad Pitt, who just cannot believe his luck throughout. Uh, his, his introduction to him, the introduction to him is just him trying to be positive and be happy and you know find himself. <laughs> Pitt's just playing this so with so much confidence, uh, and it it becomes funny just because of the manner in which he expresses that uh, almost misplaced confidence in his newfound happiness. Uh, then they come up with this, just these little inventive details about just how bad his luck can be and, or how good his luck can be, depending upon how you think of how you look at it. <laughs> uh, then the, the characters that they throw him in with, with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, Zazie Beetz, uh, even a, a very brief cameo by, by Bad Bunny, who is incredibly funny in the few moments that he's there. And what happens with him is very funny. Uh, this movie's terrific. Uh, this is actually directed by the director of Deadpool 2 right. and the guy who directed the first John Wick. And so the violence is incredible. And he also he's just a master of this sort of violent co- comedy tone uh, that is both like it's brutal, but it's also very, very, uh, very, very funny. Uh, Michael Shannon has a very, very funny way in this movie. Uh, just everybody is just so very, very good in this movie. And I had a really great time watching it. Uh, I'm with you completely. One, this is the kind of movie I need right now. Just kind of uh, turn your brain off and just have fun. Two, they took it seriously, even though it's that kind of movie. You care or are at least interested in everybody in this movie. 
uh, and they take their time away from Brad Pitt. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just like a file. He's in every scene. They spend time with the other guys and Brad Pitt's just off doing something else. And you're not bored. You're not longing to go find Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody matters from every little cameo, which I wouldn't call them little cameos or huge cameos. Uh, but you're right. You know, if you throw Ryan Reynolds in this role, it's, it's it probably works, but it doesn't work the same. You know, it, it's great that it's a change of pace with Brad Pitt doing it instead of mm-hmm. Deadpool three or whatever. But this is just so much fun. Everything about it. Just, it knew what it was. It knew it stayed in its lane and it just, it looked like they had a blast making it. Uh, and, there and it, they just all that translated to the screen perfectly. Sandra Bullock does a great job, kind of <laughs> without being in it, you know, yeah. to help Brad Pitt carry this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Joey King's really—that's her name, right? Yeah, uh, she's she has. Everybody does a great job of making you shift your focus. So yeah, like, uh, <laughs> the whole Thomas the Train stuff's hilarious. <laughs> I really wasn't sure that that was going to work for me, but eventually I did kind of, I bought, I bought in eventually on that. (laughs) The diesel thing at the end was great. Uh, Everybody in this is just, I mean, you think certain guys are the main characters and they disappear for half the movie and, you know, bad Bunny's barely in it, but he had a pretty prominent role in the trailer. But uh, I mean, well, he's indelible, though. I mean, in right. in, in the brief time Absolutely. he's there, he makes it. He makes a great impression. And that was a great thing about it, that. I loved what he did with John Wick, which is continuously having people tell you how dangerous John Wick is, and he does that with a lot of the characters in this movie, like giving them a moment to giving people a moment to explain. Oh shit, those people are fucking dangerous. You don't know what you're into here. Like the the twins is a very funny bit. And, uh, <laughs> But Michael Shannon, especially, like, is rarely on screen. But everybody's talking about him. Uh, what is, is, is the White Death? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah, like it's just great. The, the the mask that they give him for the couple flashback scenes that he's in, uh, just fantastic. It just builds him up as this amazing badass, and he's played by Michael Shannon. So it's like, fuck yeah, I'm scared of Michael Shannon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know you're not supposed to get your phone out during the movie, and one, I was at a pack screening too. I swear to God, everybody pulled. Their phones i went to imdb and like that's michael shannon right because you <laughs> you never really get a clean look at him until like, uh, you know maybe five minutes with him on screen without the mask mm-hmm. on and it's just <laughs> just so great <laughs> and I, I loved what you said early on about him good luck or bad luck in the movie it's considered he considers himself unlucky he mm-hmm. doesn't carry guns he never like he is very lucky by everybody else's bad luck around him. But the way he looks at it is he's unlucky, which is a very cool characteristic of that character. Uh, I don't know. I just think about it and then just to find out why he was there in the first place uh, adds that much more to it. I, I don't know. I, I just, this There's a, there, fun. there are several things here that happen too that that uh, are very like coincidental, but they don't play as like a convenience of yes. the plot. Like they, th- he takes such t- the director here takes such care to make sure that the things that happen happen for a reason. Even as Brad Pitt is completely unaware of some of the things that he is putting in motion, especially at the end of the movie, because he doesn't know about a particular right. weapon. He doesn't know about another particular weapon that's in play. And each time these things seem to end up where they need to be without him even knowing he did it. And it's fucking great. And it never because he just explains it. Perfect. There's just a reason why everything happens in a lesser movie. You know, you're sitting here talking about, and of course this happens because it's so convenient. You know, if Gerard Butler mm-hmm. were the star, that's the movie they'd be making. <laughs> but because he cares, the director cares about everybody in this movie and every character from every cameo to every every ounce of the film. It, it allows it to be just a ton of fun, and I just I can't recommend it enough. It is. <laughs> I've been looking forward to it forever because the trailer is fantastic, and it's been in front of every movie as long as Nope's been in front of every movie. Uh, but it really does hold up, or it paid off, and I'm. Yeah. Glad I did get to go see it as much as I wanted to see Vengeance and Marcel Shell. This was a lot of fun and I needed it. It was that palate cleanser that I've been longing for for a while. Terrific, terrific movie. 
Oops, let's stay with that and watch Prey on Hulu. Prey, yes. This movie stars a man in mid-thunder in a Predator prequel set in the year 1710 among Comanche uh, uh, Native Americans. And the the story goes that a predator just lands in their area and starts killing. And they think that it's probably some sort of animal that's doing it. So they go out to hunt it. And then, of course, they're coming across the Predator. uh, And... What an awesome movie. This movie is incredibly violent, like even more violent than Bullet Train. Like there's even more blood in this movie than there is in Bullet Train. There's a lot of blood in Bullet Train. Uh, But this movie has the challenge of being a Predator prequel. It has a challenge of being like this movie is not funny. It's not like it's not going to be funny at any point. Uh, It doesn't have that to fall back on. It just has to be badass from beginning to end. And who boy is it ever? And she, Amanda Midthunder, is so awesome in this movie. And the way that the again, like I said before, uh, about the way that Donovan Leach builds up his characters through dialogue and action, and showing you, you know, that hey, this this character is going to be formidable. Like, and they do that with her in several different scenes where she's kind of building herself up. She wants to be a hunter. She wants to go on the hunt. She wants to you know, be, be somebody who provides for her tribe. And, and she's working on that. She goes into the forest and she trains and you see her training and she comes up with an innovative way to use her weapon. And uh, the movie slowly, but surely shows you the, the ways in which she might just be able to fight a predator and make her a viable person. She's it's, it's certainly a David versus Goliath situation, but she's viable enough that you can buy in enough that she would kill, that she could kill a predator. And that's really all we need is just that baseline belief that she's got a chance in this fight that really makes this movie work. On top of that, they add in a couple of extra villains, these uh, French hunters who uh, you know, kind of they're playing. There's a whole lot of like I was thinking of professional wrestling terms throughout, like babyface turns and heel turns and, and you know, kind of and putting somebody over. And I, I love the way that they kind of put her over in many in many ways, in many different ways here to again, build her up as like a championship contender with your predator as the champion. (laughs) I just loved that. This movie is so cool, but it's also like really smart too in the way they deploy the action and the blood and the excitement. You you know, part of this movie, you're just kind of watching it like, yeah, you're watching it through your fingers. It's just the, there's a scene with a bear that is just awesome. (laughs) Just one of the sickest things I've seen all year. And I loved it. Uh, just just her fighting anybody was great in this movie, but her showing off showing down with the predator was was awesome. She's a badass and I loved it. And what an incredibly inventive ending too. like they really they really worked a lot to make the logic of that work. And I appreciated that. Oh, yeah. Again, something that you could have you like you said, if you don't work hard enough, you're going to roll your eyes. And instead, you bought everything that happened at the end of what I hate about this movie is that it wasn't in a theater. Like this is <laughs> such a big looking movie. Yeah. Like it, it bummed me out that I had to watch it on my TV. Like the set, the cinematography is really good too. Yeah, yeah. It does not deserve to be on TV, let alone Hulu. Not that it matters as solid TV, but mm-hmm. like why the hell was this not in the theater? I don't know how this wouldn't be successful, especially since well, you, I, I can kind of explain because I was talking to a guy on Twitter about it and I made a similar comment about I thought this belonged in theaters. And he said, well, you got to look at the fact that the last Predator movie and even Predators didn't do that great in the theater. Plus, you've got the name Prey instead of Predator. So a lot of people went into this not even realizing it was a Predator movie until a lot of people started buzzing about it and telling them. The idea, it, it's kind of a question. Plus, you got to also think about Bullet Train's got Brad Pitt. It's That's got a true. lot of uh, I mean, big, come out you know, big stars. You know, uh, they could have found a release date for it, maybe that might have worked. But in the end, I you know they, they were select theaters, select cities thing. I don't know. But the the bottom line is is that they just didn't see a, a th- theatrical dollar coming out of this, and they were probably right about that. Well, and then the fact you throw it back, it you know it's a period. Piece, you know, mm-hmm. not, yeah exactly with no it's got the predator's the biggest star in the movie yeah and part of me wonders if i didn't know if it was a predator movie if that would have taken away when i found out or not because uh-huh. if it was just a different monster it would have worked it didn't have uh-huh. to be the predator 
And some part of me thinks it would have worked better just because you don't have the history of the other movies. I think this is the best Predator movie, period. I agree. I absolutely. Uh, I absolutely. Get, we might get shit on for that opinion. Uh, that's some people that's nostalgia. That, the, the first Predator is a lot of cheese. <laughs> a lot of cheese, and I'm vegan, so. But it's good. <laughs> It's good. I like Arnold. I like Arnold. I like but, Arnold, but to call it the best action movie of all time is no. ridiculous. But <laughs> no. I, uh, nor, nor would I call this the greatest action movie of no. all time. It's just really, really, really good. <laughs> this would have a better chance. If you're asking me about my favorite action movies, this would have a better chance than the original does of, of oh, fighting absolutely. for that title. I just wonder if it had the right buzz like a Mad Max yeah. Road got, if it could have been better. But it was a hell of a movie and it just looked so well made that mm-hmm. I just felt bummed I was watching it at home yeah <laughs> I get that because I was like watching it going man that cinematography is fantastic like the the, the 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 look of the movie is phenomenal the like I said before about that scene with the bear it just is amazing looking everything about this movie the gore the fights the the settings that they choose the there's a fight scene in mud that's really great. Like there's, oh man, the incidents that they choose to focus on. There's a moment where she falls into this like uh, mud pit, and she's got to figure out a way to get herself out, and it's very exciting. And you, a lot of people for a lot of movies that might be a cul-de-sac, but it, he finds a way to bring that back in a very unique way. That's just it. Everything about this movie is just very, very clever. Very entertaining, just an amazing action. I loved the showdown against the the predator. I also enjoyed like watching the predator kill those French hunters because like those guys were dicks. So you, it kind of gives you that thing that other like horror films don't give you. You know that that moment where you're kind of okay. I can enjoy the predator, you know, doing what the predator does, but I can also see the predator still be the bad guy and get what's coming to him too. So it's like, it, it works out. That's a clever way to do it as opposed to the way they used to do it. The, the 20, you know, the early two thousands and 2010s where like Jason, you know, they try to make him sympathetic or, you know, the, or Leatherface, they try to make him a sympathetic character with this whiny backstory. He was so sad as a kid. Fuck off. Fuck off with that. Give me this. <laughs> give me some people that I go, don't give a fuck about that Jason can kill. But then he's also still the bad guy and gets killed. Like, give me that. That's the way they did it here. It's fucking great. Yeah. And I, I do think I would have liked it better if it didn't have to be in the Predator universe. Because you, all you need is a monster. It didn't matter what mm-hmm. it was. Uh, but at the same time, they did it and they did it to perfection. And I can't. This is a brilliant move on Hulu's part because people probably were getting rid of Hulu or they only have it because they had Disney or whatever. So uh, <laughs> this will get people watching Hulu, I think. I, I do. I, I have so. seen a lot of buzz about people talking about it. Uh, it. It is that good and people should check it out. I was shocked that Josh didn't watch it yet. I was uh, shocked to hear that too, yeah. I considering- thought for sure he'd be begging to be on this week's episode and he's probably glad he's <laughs> not because we're in a roundabout way shitting on Predator even though you're saying you liked it. <laughs> Uh, I do like it better than Alien, Aliens or whatever. Oh yeah, by far, no question. All right, Sharp Stick. Sharp Stick is the new movie from Lena Dunham. Uh, it tells the story of a woman who's in her early twenties. She lives at home with her sister, who's also kind of in her early twenties, with their adopted mother, played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, this young woman that is uh, kind of takes kind of does the social media recording for her sister who's trying to be an influencer meanwhile she herself is is uh, working as a caregiver to a special needs child and in the midst of that there's this story about her just desire to to have sex she really wants to lose her virginity she can't have kids she had something happen to her where she had uh something go wrong and they had to have uh, you know surgery and whatnot she can't have children but she wants to have as much sex as possible and from there, this is a very weird movie. It's a very, it's a movie that's very much up its own ass in a way that is just unpleasant. Uh, and because I'm, there's <laughs> an element of this movie where it's a movie about sex that doesn't want to be sexy. So, but it is sexy because she's very attractive, and so is John Bernthal, who plays the guy that she's kind of sleeping with. But it's also not sexy because then she starts this thing where she starts. 
she sets up this like list of ABC A through Z sexual activities that she can do to try and become more sexually experienced for some reason. Uh, the movie doesn't really give her much of a motivation. There have been people discussing whether or not this character is somewhere on the spectrum in terms of autism. Uh, Lena Dunham has said that's not the case, but when you watch the movie, she's 24 years old, but she acts like a, like a 13 year old throughout. Like her mentality is that of a child at times, a child who then is engaging in ever increasingly bizarre sexual acts, uh, which are also then, edited in a way and i don't care about seeing nudity i don't care about it but there is no real like that that there's no hardcore nudity or anything in this movie there's a lot of sex and a lot implied and that's fine but it's weird it's a weird movie that way the because you can't really figure out what the message is in the end what is she trying to say with all of this uh, i'm not sure exactly I, I really i've seen this movie twice and i cannot figure out for the life of me what it is that lena dunham is going for uh, is this a movie about a woman who is sexually repressed discovering sexuality for the first time and exploring everything and becoming a more well-rounded person kind of but she's also this incredibly childlike woman who lives at home with her mother and her sister who are both in their 20s who don't appear to have any kind of prospects going forward. Their mom just, I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee's great, but like all she does is drink and sort of yell at her kids to be better, uh, to one kid to be a better influencer. Like, <laughs> so she can raise the family out of poverty or something. I don't know. It's, it's a very strange movie on top of which it's got the, this woman, the, the young woman who was in uh, Zola, who's a, this incredible like breakout actress. She's fantastic in Zola and Taylor page. And she plays the influencer sister. And she's like, like barely in the movie and nothing of what she does has any bearing on this. And you just left there going, why did you hire Taylor page for this role? <laughs> why did you bother hiring her? You're not doing anything with her. She's not the, the social media stuff doesn't say anything. Uh, the influencer stuff doesn't say anything. And this is about this girl's story. The white girl's story is the one that's that's front front loaded here. On top of which, there are just weird other weird choices in here. Like at one point, you're looking at her list of A to Z sexual activities, and she's got like L, lesbian, not necessary. Does that mean she's done it before? Or is that something that she's done? Or is that just she's completely ruled out? That 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 spectrum of sexuality, that's that's not that's untouchable. We can't go there. Why? Why even put that in the movie then? Why even mention it? Why not just leave it out then? Why do you have that prominently featured? Like, I don't understand what again, it just it's maddening trying to figure out what it is that she's trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike Lena Dunham, but I feel like that's a lot of her work where I just. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the point is. Uh, mm -hmm. I try, and I know people seem to like her. She does have buzz behind her, and it's good for her. I mean, I'm glad she has the audience she speaks to, but it's not me, and I guess it's okay. Uh, I like girls. I thought it was a good show. I thought the kind of things that she did in that show are similar to this, You know, the kind of things where you're going, well, I'm not sure what the point of that was. At the very least, they were provocative in a way that was interesting. These are provocative in a way that's not particularly interesting uh her sexual encounters are very odd she has all these men into her house to have anal sex with her she gets upset with one guy because he won't because he wants to try and talk to her and she just wants to blow him so she can get that so she can put a little check mark next to blowjob and it's like what are these scenes what is happening here like what is what are we supposed to take away there's no is this a dangerous thing to do what she's doing it would seem like it would be but there's never really any danger portrayed to it I just I'm baffled by by this movie. Yeah, at least Jennifer Jason Lee was good. Yeah, I mean she's always good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our undisputed classic is Daniel isn't real. Drop dead Daniel, as I call it. Uh, <laughs> this is the horror film version of Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> we picked this because we were watching because uh, we were doing flick chart uh, a couple weeks ago, That's and it's a like poster. It had a cool poster and like uh, from the producers of Mandy is a kind of a nice thing to see. Uh, the story goes that this kid had a uh, had a uh, 
uh, imaginary friend as a kid named Daniel. Daniel was um, somebody who kind of influenced him to do bad things to the point where Daniel actually almost influenced this kid into killing his mother. Um, the reason for that is that Daniel may or may not be some sort of demon. Uh, but regardless, he gets he kind of shoves Daniel into the back of his subconscious, which is uh, essentially represented by this old dollhouse in his house. And forgets about him for many years, but he's a, grows up kind of troubled, kind of not understanding who he is and wanting to figure out his life. His mom is very messed up after what happened and uh, ends up kind of in a in a facility to take care of herself. And he's trying he's worried that he's going to lose his mental health. And so he invites Daniel back into his life. And Daniel is now played by Patrick Schwarzenegger. And here's where me and the movie part ways. It's not that against Patrick Schwarzenegger. I don't think he's a bad actor. But what he does here is what everybody does when they have a role like this, where they're playing that character that says and does everything that everybody thinks they want to say. Is that, And it's just the same performance that you've seen from any number of villain characters who just say mean things and try and push people to do you know outray things and then they it's just it's not an original performance it's not a very entertaining performance and and it just feels like it's very much something you've seen before uh he doesn't bring anything new to it he's not a particularly charismatic actor he's a handsome kid but he doesn't project himself and he just seems to rely on a, on, on a lot of gestures and the freedom of being the most evil person in the room at any time. And uh, it's just, it's rarely very funny. It's rarely even very interesting. Um, and I, again, I keep going back to drop dead Fred. This is basically just a horror film version of drop dead Fred. <laughs> I mean, it's really at the end. I mean, aside from the ending, which is very bloody, uh, I wish I wish Drop Dead Fred had been really bloody at the end, but nevertheless, <laughs> yeah, I it was I I can see the potential in it maybe, but and I don't even want to blame Patrick Schwarzenegger for it. Maybe it is Ooh. his fault, but it wasn't a well written character. Like it, there, it it was just bland, and like yeah. you said, there was nothing to it, and. You know, you throw the Mandy thing above it, and there's not a bland character in that thing. No. <laughs> and on top of that, they're so not bland. They're on the other end of that spectrum, and none of the characters in here are on that level of spectrum. So right away, you're putting Mandy in my head, and then you're not living up to it. So <laughs> that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. I can see the potential in it, potentially. You know, if they were to switch things around or do something a little different but overall it was just something i'm probably gonna forget it to the point where we kept calling it before you called it drop dead daniel we had a different name for it like every time we talked (laughs) so (laughs) we couldn't remember the name of it doesn't exist or something yeah i just couldn't i i finally just settled on drop dead daniel because that was the one i could remember (laughs) that's a better name <laughs> Even though it's clearly a parody of Drop Dead Fred. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it, it's just I. Some of it, like some elements of it, like the visuals, sometimes aren't too bad. Uh, the female character, the one female character in the movie, is is pretty good. She's kind of got a little bit more life than everybody else in the movie, and I liked her. Uh, the main character is incredibly bland, like you mentioned. He, the, the kid who has Daniel as an imaginary friend, I can't even remember that actor's name. I recognize like, that's him, just but how I don't know who he, he is. looks familiar, but I couldn't tell you. I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. That's how boring he was in this movie. Uh, and, and like I said, Patrick Schwarzenegger is basically playing every demon character from like like he, he has the smugness of Jason Lee's demon from Dogma, like, and, and that's kind of the template for a lot of characters like that, where they're just these you know they're so villainous they're you know mustache twirling and then uh they just say things everything that oh i can't believe he said that i'm so shocked that he said the thing and then he did that oh my god i can't believe he did that Uh, but what they needed was you know not you know don't copy it but you know what christian bailed in american psycho something like that was so off less left to center but over the top or Again, well, you it know can't what, be that. But you know what might have worked better is is make it Harvey. 
right <laughs> with james stewart where you never see daniel and it's just him talking to daniel <laughs> and daniel influencing him to do things uh that could have worked like a ghost daniel maybe would have been more more interesting but you still so you don't the lead actor up a little <laughs> yeah. bit somebody i might have i might have actually then put patrick schwarzenegger in that role and he might probably would have been more interesting and him in a sort of a horror film harvey i kind of like that idea yeah i mean it's competent it is what it is but it's just not it's just lacking and too Mm -hmm. much blandness yeah does not live up to the poster at all no that's unfortunate (laughs) here's our real classic (laughs) 30 years ago unforgiven came out yeah unforgiven uh clint eastwood's absolute classic about uh, you know revenge and the west and just these amazing characters and i mean again we talked about it before when we're talking about bullet train about how how legends are created and you you're kind of building a legend around characters and again we do they do such a great job of that here is putting the character that eastwood is playing over while also making hackman into a very formidable villain you've got morgan freeman as this very uh, a sympathetic character uh, overall, and just the mixture is so perfect. And uh, even as long as this movie is, it never feels long. That's one of the great things about a movie. This movie is just the it's got a wonderful pace to it, where you're ne- you just get lost in this movie very easily. Uh, it never feels like it's it's wasting any time, and yet it goes on for quite a while. Right. I I, I love this movie. And and I'm sure it wasn't the intent, but you can even apply all the other Westerns Clint Eastwood did and have this be like the button that ties them all together, and it works. Mm-hmm. Whether he was going for that or not, it doesn't matter. It, it It's just an added thing that makes this movie that much more fun. I'm glad it won the Oscar. Uh, it's, you know, everything that Dances with Wolves wasn't. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> Uh, it just it's such a watchable it really is you know maybe you need to see tombstone to get into westerns but you know this in a lot of ways is the pinnacle western movie uh it really is that good and i don't know i don't really know what else to say about it but it's fantastic and as much as it, it, it's interesting though you mentioned dances with wolves and there is an interesting sort of counterpoint about how when you look back at the at the past and you want to think of a movie, maybe like Dances with Wolves as sort of definitive of America's past, all this pastoral beauty and and so on. And then you've got this, which is the actual past of America, which is violent and filled with revenge and characters who are you know, very much out for themselves and you know building the future of America. Really, these are the kind of guys that did that. <laughs> Right. (laughs) That's sort of cynical, but it's sort of true when you look at it. Yeah, I mean, Dance with Wolves is a great white hope, you know, and (laughs) this is realistic. This is this is the no bullshit version. (laughs) Yeah, and you know, this one still gets talked about while Dance with Wolves doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, that movie feels its length. And I think there's an even longer version out that Josh watches once a year. For those of you who are new to the podcast, Josh used to be a co-host that we still <laughs> refer to as if he's all the time here. because we love him. Yeah, he's great, and hopefully his son joins the podcast in a few years. Takes yes. his place. <laughs> uh, also, thirty years ago, last week we didn't do an episode, but Buffalo Vampire Slayer and Death Became Comes Here came out, and then this week. Raising Cain also came out. Next week, we've got Fall, Mac and Rita, Bodies, 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 and Emily the Criminal. Our classic is Open Water. And in 1992, uh, Digstown, Johnny Suede, Stay Tuned, and another Jason, Jennifer Jason Lee movie, Single White Female, that I've never seen, but I'm just because I'm falling in love with her again as an actress, kind of want to see that. I don't know if it's any good or not, but I remember people... Take a swing at it. Yeah, why not? She's awesome, though. She's yeah. kind of been the Nicolas Cage of the podcast lately. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. I don't have Flick shirt up and run on, but I'll get it there. Maybe. 
Let's get rid of the Twitter here. I'm following <laughs> Jason Muse, as you can see. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> These are YouTube people know what's going on. <laughs> All right. What do we got? I love the internet so much better here. Why well, move, by the way, for everybody listening at home? That's why we didn't do an episode last week. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Blast from the Past. I like I like both these movies. Uh, obviously, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is a better movie for me, but uh, you know, I think Blast from the Past is actually kind of great. Yeah, ten things I hate about you: the Fifth Element. That's tough. That is very tough for me. I love the fifth element, but honestly, my crush on Julia Stiles will never end. So it's 10 things I hate about you. I actually agree with you on this one. I, I That movie, one, I'm kind of the perfect age for it. And two, I'm not the biggest sci-fi fan in the world. I do like the fifth element. But three, Luke Besson is one of those guys that you're kind of falling out of love with those movies. <laughs> and 10 things I hate about you is just charming and watchable. and fun. Absolutely. And I love Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles in it. The Adventures of Robin Hood, 1938, Children of Men. Which way are you going? Children of Men. <laughs> <laughs> Children of men. <laughs> Which way are you going? I mean, eh, fine, Children of Men, I don't care. My review of Children of Men is up on the, on the blog, by the way. You want to check that out? You stayed current on that one. Are you stayed consistent? <laughs> <laughs> I've stayed consistent. Yes. Uh, the Benchwarmers, Wrong Turn Two. Good God, Wrong Turn Two! I would rather I would rather watch that piece of shit over anything Rob Schneider does. I don't hate the Benchwarmers. <laughs> Say what? I don't hate the Benchwarmers. Wow! Uh, Shocking. I I loathe that movie. So I would rather, like I said, even even a bad Wrong Turn sequel is better to me than. <laughs> You won the coin flip, though. Killjoy. I've never seen Killjoy. Sorry. Never have I. Weird Science, The Born Ultimatum. Born Ultimatum. Yeah. Gone, Baby, Gone, Kingdom of Heaven. Gone, Baby, Gone. Yes. Anchorman 2, The Square. Anchorman 2. I'm, I'm actually, I'm not sure what The Square is. Maybe I'm not seeing that one. I haven't seen it. How about Anchorman 2, Beavis and Butthead, to America? That's tough. That's tough. You know, I just watched the uh, uh, an episode of the new Beavis and Butthead series on Paramount, which uh, is very funny. Uh, it, I, he actually can still do the voices. He's still got some <laughs> ideas for these characters. I was really impressed. So I've not seen the new movie, uh, the new Beavis and Butthead movie, where they like go into space or something, but I want to. Um, you know what? I because I think Anchorman Two is a little too indulgent. I'm actually gonna go Beavis and Butthead. If it was Anchorman One, I might have gone the other way, but I agree with you. I think Anchorman One's better though, in in terms of the indulgence. Right. Familiar with the Country Cousin? No, I'm not familiar with that movie. Come on, God, don't make this tough. <laughs> how to train? Don't worry. Your, how to train your dragon two or Rocky? Rocky. <laughs> have you seen Stallone's big fit with Aaron Winkler? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, where he's like super pissed off at him for for Rocky stuff. Yeah, they're making it trying to make a sequel with Drago, I guess. Yeah, like he called Dolph Lundgren out, and then Dolph Lundgren's like, "I thought you were involved with it. I apologize. I'm out." <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah. And then Stallone deleted everything, so I don't know. Oh wow. Uh, save. I, I've, I've not seen his movie on Amazon either. Is that out yet? What movie? The Sentinel or Sentinel? I don't something like the Stallone. He plays like a he plays like a superhero. I don't think it's out yet. I hope it's Ooh. not out yet. I, well, we'll add it to the show next week, regardless. Whether it's out or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, saved or enemy at the gates? Saved by a lot. Enemy at the gates is a disappointment. Yeah, it's one of those movies people like, and I don't get it. Blade or Cars? Much love for Cars. It's Blade. Yeah. A lot of what you see with the Marvel movies, you can kind of tie back to Blade in a lot of ways. Oh. 
Wow. Dances with Fuck Wolves me. or back Basic Instinct 2. <laughs> Fuck you, Fate. Um, <laughs> Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Basic Instinct 2 is unwatchable. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, why did you sign on to do this movie? How I got into college or 16 blocks. 16 blocks. Agreed. Dark Shadows, what happens in Vegas? Dark Shadows. At least it's got personality. Yeah. Rudy Manhunter. Manhunter. I really like Manhunter. Face Off, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Agreed. The Quick and the Dead or 1984's Dune. Uh, The Quick and the Dead is much shorter, so let's go there. Yeah. That's its only advantage. <laughs> Rudy or Terminator Salvation? Rudy, yeah. I just, can't, I just can't with Terminator anymore. I just can't with Rudy. Uh, you win, though. There's very few movies. <laughs> I'm going to let Rudy win over. Psycho, Days of Thunder, the remake Psycho. Uh, it's Days of Thunder, yeah. If it were the original, obviously, you know where I'm going, but that's, that remake is, no. Why'd you do that? My son asked if we could watch Psycho sometime. I'm like, I think you'll find it boring, but sure. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, 40 Carats. Never seen 40 Carats. Elysium or Fantastic Beasts. Elysium. As flawed as it is, it's still better than Fantastic Beasts. I'm coming to the podcast, loving the movie, and you and Josh have just pulled it apart. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I didn't see any of that when I was watching it. But you're right. It's there. Airbud wrongfully accused. Um, How about just fuck both those movies? Yeah, that's the better plan. Eight-legged freaks finding Neverland. Finding Neverland. I love finding Neverland. Yes. Wow. I thought my internet was better than this. Maybe it's flick. That, that was the whole reason you moved, Bob. It was better internet. Come on. What the oh. hell? <laughs> A lot of the reason I moved is because of better internet. <laughs> uh, public enemies, wild hogs. Public enemies. Although I was embarrassingly nice to wild hogs in my original review of that. I came away when I watched Wild Hogs I'm like, eh, I get it. It's watchable. It's not for me, but it's nothing wrong with it. That's how I felt when I saw it. And then <laughs> I'm never going back to it. I'll never watch it again. So Ugh, yeah, don't forever young, limitless, limitless forever young is just pure syrup. Just, Oh, overload. Deep blue sea. Yep. Like, That's, not, That's a- not a movie. There you go. Deep uh, blue- not, I've never, Heard of that one? Deep Blue okay. Sea, Furious Seven. Furious Seven. Life of Brian. Diamonds are forever. Life of Brian. Yeah. Misery Toys. Misery. Yes. Just married. Disturbing behavior. Disturbing behavior. Guardians Two in Bruges. That's tough. I love Guardians 2. Guardians 2 is awesome. I think it's even better than the original Guardians. But In Bruges is In Bruges, so I'm going with In Bruges. Which, by the way, you can't even get right now. Really? Put it back on the market, damn it. I wanted to watch it the other night, and I couldn't find it. That sucks. Yeah, Guardians 2 is like, you know, a good cereal. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) you just want breakfast. (laughs) Uh, American Pie, Shoot to Kill. Never heard of Shoot to Kill. Or Deadly Pursuit, for that matter. <laughs> it's got two times. Hey, I saw that. Uh, American Pie, Pacific Rim. American Pie. Yeah. Clueless Trading Places. You know, it's funny. I was reading. So I, read, I was editing reviews for the blog, and I know I keep doing this, but uh, Sean at the movies.blogspot.com. You want to check it out for yourself. Uh, and and without knowing it, and years apart from each other, I was writing about Guillermo del Toro and Pacific Rim. I also had written about uh, his first Hellboy movie. And in both reviews, in the opening paragraph, I talk about how this movie comes from that part of Guillermo del Toro where we, that we don't talk about. 
two movies people like. <laughs> our podcast was never very nice to them. I never saw any of the... I've seen the... You would think the part you don't want to talk about is some of the weird shit he does, but it's so <laughs> interesting. See, that's the only thing I want to talk about. That's <laughs> what I love. But it's interesting can... as hell. Shape of Water, man. Shape of Water. <laughs> uh, the one he did last year is fantastic. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that over his action sci-fi stuff every day. Yeah. Don't care for it. Don't care for Pacific Rim. Don't care for Hellboy. Well, I mean, Pacific Rim can only be so good anyway. So it's Ooh. just like it's a robot movie, like a Rock'em Sock'em type movie. There is a ceiling on that. So maybe you Ooh. made it as good as you can make it, but it's still, yeah. it's still can only be so good. Uh, Clueless or Trading Places? Clueless. Yeah, it's just our generation, I think. I, I love trading places, though, but uh, speaking of, Lady in the Water over the top. <laughs> Lady in the Water! Lady in the Water! Okay, but if over the top starred Nicolas Cage. <laughs> now see, that's a great movie. That might uh. be. That could be like Mandy level good if you did it right. <laughs> really good. Him going all method. Oh. Building up. Him <laughs> falling in love with a weird accent. <laughs> Go with it. Going super Southern even more than Conair. Right. And instead of like Richard Marks, it's more King Crimson or something weird like that. Or Emerson Lake and Palmer or something just out there. <laughs> messed up prog rock. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man! What there's a, there's another wonderful universe out there somewhere. There needs to be. I wish there was a way to make these movies just with CGI or something. The technology's almost there. <laughs> it's almost there. But I mean, I wish we could do it. Like just yeah. on our computers. Like hey, Nicholas Cage. What can we put you in? <laughs> uh, I mean. I mean, we saw what happened. They they replaced Kevin Spacey and all and all the money in the world. Come on, let's let, let's let's replace him in American Beauty. Yes, <laughs> get to work. I mean, maybe the best movie of all time. Like, if he's in that, <laughs> I mean, right? I'm not. I mean, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it's funny, but you know, right up there with Big Lebowski and everything, everywhere, all at once. And <laughs> yeah, I'm th- I'm saying. It could be. It could be. Uh, all right. We're leaving on that. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Fair enough.